0: I have spent a great deal of my life thinking and talking about cancer. My mom had leukemia and beat it. My dad had brain tumors and did not. I have two sisters-in-law who both had breast cancer and numerous family members and friends who have either been diagnosed or helped someone live through or die from cancer. Every time I've changed doctors or had a health appointment, I've needed to let them know where and what the cancer is in my immediate family. I've had to fill it out on forms, and I was even asked by a therapist once to talk about my relationship with cancer. I wouldn't say that cancer is a childhood trauma for me, but it has been a constant in my life, and I have definitely lived with an underlying, ongoing fear that cancer is just a part of my DNA. I'm Jenny B, and this is it, actually. This is I had just entered high school, a trying and curious time at best, when mom gathered us all around to let us know that she had cancer. She went on to explain exactly what kind, leukemia, and how she would be affected and the treatment that she would be getting, but all I could hear was the C word. It bounced around inside my head for the rest of the day, and I wondered what our family would look like from that moment on. I was scared and unsure, but I will tell you this, I never once thought that my mom would actually die of cancer. Chalk it up to being a self-absorbed teenager, I mean, it was very untimely for me at 15 years old, or, and this sounds much nicer, a believer in my mom's strength and indestructibility. I really didn't think cancer was going to be the thing that took her down. Mom was made of strong stuff. She was an immigrant kid who lived through the war. Her dad hid Jewish people in his barn. She helped take care of her younger siblings, and she traveled by boat from the Netherlands to Canada with not much more than the clothes on her back. In my mind, cancer didn't stand a chance. She packed a bag, hugged us goodbye, and dad drove her to London, a city well known for its cancer institutes and hospitals. I remember feeling nervous and anxious, but I also very clearly remember going on with my day after she'd left. Now that I'm an adult and a mom, I cannot even begin to think about what that moment would have been like. Imagining what the treatment would do to her, wondering if it would work, worrying about how we'd be without her, thinking about living and dying. I only went to visit my mom in the hospital twice. I can offer a million excuses. It was three hours away. I was 15 and just trying to survive high school. I was helping out in the family store. I was scared but there is no good reason and it is one of my life's biggest regrets that I didn't take her illness more seriously. Mom was offered an experimental drug, a new type of chemotherapy. There was a man from our hometown in the hospital at the same time as her and he was also offered the trial. They became partners in crime, checking in with one another after receiving a dose of what mom called the good stuff, sitting quietly in each other's space if the other felt like garbage, laughing and talking and encouraging one another on their good days, I remember that Mr. Cramp was a light and a source of great support in Mum's world at that time, and she was heartbroken when the chemo stopped working for him, and he chose to no longer get treatment. Mom got really sick. She lost all of her hair, she became incredibly thin, she had no appetite, and when she was able to eat something, she threw it up. She began to run out of places for the nurses to insert the IV, and they began using the veins on the back of her hands. I remember her telling me that if they got to her feet, it would feel like the beginning of the end. One day while trying to get to the bathroom, she fell out of bed and gave herself a black eye. Her imbalance, nausea, and pain was at an all-time high. There was a family meeting with my aunt, and it was decided that someone would bake her pot brownies and sneak them into the hospital. My mom would cringe that I'm telling you this, by the way. A lawbreaker, she was not. I remember feeling so scandalous and excited as we delivered the pan of heightened baked goods to her hospital room. She gave us a small smile when we told her what they were, and I'm not sure she ever actually ate one. My sister bought Mama a wig. It was a Raquel Welch wig, thank you very much, and I remember it costing a lot of money. She wore it a few times, but it was hot and itchy, and she ultimately ended up ditching it. This is saying a lot for someone who quite cared about how she looked and what people thought of her. I think there are battles that can be fought in cancer, but vanity is likely very low on the list. My mom finished up her treatment and dad brought her home. We made a sign and welcomed her back into our fold. She got herself sat into one of our big comfy chairs and we all looked at each other like now what? Mom sat in that chair for about a day, maybe two, and then she slowly started back into mum mode. I have a ton of guilt about her doing laundry a few days after she was back. I can see her carrying the basket through the house and down the steep basement stairs. I'd like to say that I didn't step in because I knew it made her feel normal, but the truth is, I didn't step in because it made me feel normal. I just wanted a mom who wasn't bald and didn't have cancer and still did all of our laundry. Mom went into remission and never went back to the hospital for another cancer treatment. Three years later, our parents gathered us around again and told us that dad had cancer. They went on to explain what kind, two brain tumors, and they let us know that he would be heading to London for chemotherapy and radiation. I remember thinking we'd been here before and it was all going to be and turn out the same, and I also felt like I'd been given a chance for a do-over at being a better daughter. Only one of those things turned out to be true. Dad walked out the door with a quiet confidence, telling us it would be okay. He had a nervous smile, but he was still my strong and stubborn father, and I imagined that's how he would walk back in. Of course there weren't any guarantees and no one said he'd come back the same but they didn't say he'd come back so different dad's brain tumors were the size of golf balls and they would not be able to remove them the cancer had also leaked down into his spine and that was a tricky spot to try and tackle this cancer took everything from dad the radiation was meant to shrink the tumors so he could live longer and ultimately that is what happened but it also hit and attacked surrounding brain cells and it left us with a totally different person he lost his hair and returned home much thinner, but he was also physically smaller in stature. His hunched shoulders made him appear shorter and frail, and he was wobbly on his feet. But it wasn't just the physical aspects of Dad that changed. His personality and the essence of who he was, what he was known for, a wisecracking, opinionated, loud personality who was larger than life, disappeared. He became childlike and agitated, He would get super frustrated at himself and his new limitations and, lots of times, frustrated at us. He became obsessed with certain foods and would go days of eating the same thing. He was confused a lot. He stopped understanding time. Day was night and night was day. One time, in the middle of the night, my mom and I woke up to the sound of the smoke alarm. We ran downstairs to find my dad peacefully eating toast at the kitchen table with smoke billowing behind him from the toaster. He looked up and said, Oh, hello, you two, as if it was just another normal morning. The staircase was our nemesis. He had heavy feet and looked like a toddler standing at the top. I once watched him fall top over tail down the full set of stairs. His arm was bent around and underneath his body, so we told him to stay put. He was crying out in agony at the pain of the fall, but within a few minutes he'd forgotten what happened and started tapping a tune on the floor with his fingers. When I started laughing, he asked me what was so funny and wondered why he was lying down when I was sitting. Sometimes his short-term memory loss was a blessing. He eventually moved into long-term care at our hospital. It became too difficult for us to care for him at home. We took shifts for lunch and dinner and watched him deteriorate before our eyes. There was a really lovely part of Dad changing so much. It was that we also got to meet someone that we never would have. Obviously, I would have much rather had dad in my life longer, but the man that he became was so drastically different than the dad that left for treatment, it was almost a bit wild to spend time with this new version of him. He got softer, more emotional. He was silly and said silly things. He was the opposite of stern and independent. He became fragile and accepted our help. We were gifted another two and a half years with dad after his diagnosis, and I wouldn't give it back for anything." I've come to terms with cancer and what it has brought to my life. I see it in a very different way now than I have in the past. There are so many warriors who stare down and kick cancer's ass. There is light and promise and lessons, and even when the battle is not won, there is sometimes a place of peace and acceptance that happens within a family that can spark immense gratitude and love. I know this because it happened to me. My story starts...
1: 16 months ago, when I was diagnosed with stage three inflammatory breast cancer or IBC, I woke up and my right breast was swollen, almost like a bug bite or a reaction. It was a bit red. I was about to fly out to Halifax. So I called my family doctor and said, something's not right. It's probably nothing. Totally downplayed it. And she was like, absolutely. Come on in. The thing is, with IBC, it presents itself like mastitis, but I'm a young woman who doesn't have children. I've never breastfed, obviously, so mastitis was kind of weird, but an infection could be possible. So she wrote me a script for antibiotics. She also sent me down for an ultrasound that very day. So ultrasound came back clear, and it's important to know that I also had a mammogram in January, and it came back clear. So she sent me out to Halifax and said, go do your gig. And she also said, I'm still going to make you an appointment with a breast specialist at St. Mike's just to cover all our bases. So he looked at my breast and said, yeah, this is not an infection. The antibiotics would be working by now. We're gonna do a biopsy too, in fact. And they both came back clear. My breast was still swollen, still red. It sort of was dimply, kind of looked like an orange peel. Later on through Google, which, you know, if you have symptoms like this, I don't recommend going to Google. But that was the first time I saw inflammatory breast cancer. And the thing is, with inflammatory breast cancer, it usually presents itself like mastitis. And the crazy thing is, there's no lump. So... This specialist truly saved my life because he ordered two more biopsies, which were far more invasive. But that's when it came back that I did, in fact, have cancer. I did six rounds of chemo, and then I had a double mastectomy. Then I did 33 rounds of radiation, and I just finished up Herceptin, 18 rounds of that two weeks ago. I do not share this to alarm anyone. Most importantly, I just share with you know your body speak up and be your own advocate
2: i'll never forget the look in my mom's eyes when she saw my bald head she'd been with me from a lumpectomies but since that time i'd started chemo and shaved off all my hair so when i saw her i was wearing a wig it was a cute brown bob made of real life hair one that she had kindly paid for and after we shared a hug she looked up at me she's a pretty small lady so i was looking down at her and she had her head tilted back to look up at me i could see her checking out my hair And I could also tell she wasn't really interested in the wig. She was more interested in what was under it. So I asked her if she wanted to see my head. She nodded, kind of shyly. So I took off my wig, and she put her hands over her mouth, and her eyes filled with tears. I took her hand and put it on my head, and she started crying. And then I bent over so she could rub it, and she rubbed it with both hands, and then she burst out laughing. She told me how beautiful my head was. And then, this is what really got me, she said she hadn't seen my bare head <laughs> since I was a baby, and that was almost 50 years earlier. And I realized then that my head was her head, and my cancer was our cancer, mine and my partner and my family's.
3: My dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was close to seven years old. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor, probably at that time, I, might, I don't even know now, it must have been had to have been stage four. One day he just had a massive seizure while he was driving and had to pull over to the side of the road and from that point on our lives changed forever. My dad passed away of that brain tumor a year and a half later. My mom became a single mom. I was eight. My younger sister was six and my littlest sister was five. My childhood was rip for me pretty quickly. I had to grow up and do a lot of adult things and a lot of that I think was watching my mom work extremely hard to be with my sisters and I and take care of my sisters and I and then I think also just trying to process what's cancer and death like somebody dying my curiosity and then what would become my fear of cancer. Cancer has definitely been a huge fear of mine my entire life. You go to the doctor and They say, you know, do you have anyone in your family who's had cancer? Right away, they're scribbling and scribbling. Growing up, I thought every bump and every issue I had was cancer. Uh, I've definitely had to work on that my entire life. Watching my dad change and slip away from me is something I'll never get out of my mind. Just like him losing his hair and all the marks on his head where he had to have treatments and my sisters and I spending months and months and months in various hospitals. You know, we we danced for the nurses and other patients while my mom tended to her dying husband. feels hard to say sometimes, but I really don't remember him. I was so young, but I miss my dad. And if anything, it's taught me to live my life to the fullest, to be so grateful for every single day and be so happy to be alive.
2: The surgery that I chose was called a DIEP. In a nutshell, the breast tissue is removed from the skin envelope and is replaced with the stomach tissue. It's a 12-hour surgery with a three-month recovery where you end up with a whole lot of scars and brand new breasts. My sister jokingly refers to it as a boob job and a tummy tuck. And the whole idea is all kind of wonderful and funny, except for the cancer part. In my case, I had bilateral breast cancer and had already had lumpectomies and chemotherapy. The trick to this procedure is having enough stomach tissue. I already had a little fat, but I was told that in the next few months I couldn't lose any weight and could actually stand to gain a bit more. It was kind of like my teenage fantasy. Not the part about losing my nipples and being terrified of dying, but the shallow part of me had always wondered what it would be like to never think about calories and to have a permanent flat stomach. So for the next few months I ate so well, lots of bread and pasta, big slabs of butter on everything, avocados and ice cream, wine as well and my tummy grew a little more jiggly and I was really proud of it even though only a couple of people understood why it made me so happy to see my stomach hanging over my pants and the reason I was doing all this was to reduce my chance of recurrence because no breast tissue, no breast cancer so I had the surgery and it was scary and amazing and the recovery was a bitch but I'm healthy and I have new nipples which are quite perfect and when I look down at my breasts which will always be lopsided and partially numb I think of all the beautiful food I had, and the friends who fed me, and the cheese plates under twinkly lights in the backyard, and know how lucky I've been to get where I am today.
0: This is a tip, actually. If you can, please give blood. I am sometimes completely overwhelmed at the thought of just how much blood a hospital needs and goes through to help their patients. My mom had leukemia, cancer of the blood, and I clearly remember her referring to the donated blood that eventually coursed through her veins as liquid gold. Imagine that this small, simple act of kindness could save someone's life. Thank you to Julie, Jen, and Janet for your courageous and beautiful words. It is my pure joy and privilege to be able to share your very personal stories. If you have an idea for an episode or know someone who would be a great guest, let me know. You can send your stories and ideas and just general good words to thisisitactually at gmail.com, and you can also see stuff and follow along on Instagram at thisisitactually. Message me cool stuff, but not dumb or rude stuff, because obviously. Thanks for listening. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, because this is it.